The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. NCC with Art for Art's Sake. And a Sunday is a here. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is indeed Sunday, April the 26th, 2020, the final Sunday of the month of April, as we hurtle towards May. My goodness, the time has gone by quickly, but it also... We have been in a stranglehold time-wise because, of course, most of us are inside. Most of us are inside, and it seems like forever. But it is not forever, and this will not be forever. And I'm going to get to a little bit more on that topic just a little bit later on in this episode. But first, to get to a number of headlines that you may have missed over the last 24 hours or so. Things that you, I think, should be aware of just for your edification. You may not have heard any of these stories, particularly if you've been watching the news media, but also particularly if you haven't been watching the news media, which is probably a good idea given what you will see when you watch it. So some of these stories have been publicized, but many of them have not been given the kind of oxygen that I think that they need. And should have. So here we go with that at this point. Just in case you didn't know this from Thursday, a very short snippet here from Dr. Anthony Fauci. We will have coronavirus in the fall. I am convinced of that. Well, there you go. And if Dr. Fauci says that, You'd better listen to him. Dr. Redfield, who is the CDC director, just also last week had said that coronavirus will return in the fall and it's likely to be much more difficult, much stronger. And I'm sort of paraphrasing what he said. And some people you may know, some of you may know that that caused some issue um, with Trump, Trump tried to get him to walk it back and Redfield, to his credit, did not. So that is something to look out for and watch out for coming up in the next little while as the coronavirus is coming back, according to Dr. Fauci. He's now the second medical health professional to say this. And he said it uh, on the same day, pretty much, um, or the day after. Robert Redfield did, who is the CDC director. So the question is, why on earth are these states opening? Of course, it's a, it's a question that you can have a ready, obvious answer to in terms of business and money, but at the expense of people's health, which is purely psychopathic, a psychopathic model that is destined to fail in Georgia and all of these other Republican-led states that happen to think it's a great idea to not have a stay-at-home order. A 
as I said, I'm going to talk more about this in a little bit. So that's headline number one. And that audio is from NBC. Now, one thing that you may not be aware of also from this past week is that the Trump administration is deporting people who have coronavirus or, you know, this is just incredible. And this has not got any attention at all, even though it is on online on some print media. The Washington Post article is called U.S. is deporting ineffective migrants back to vulnerable countries. And this was dated from the other day, April the 21st, which actually was, um, I think, before before Thursday, if my math serves me correctly, it was probably Wednesday. Kevin Seif and Nick Miroff talk about this in the Washington Post from April the 21st. Again, the headline is U.S. is deporting infected migrants back to vulnerable countries. Now, this is so very dangerous and reckless and has not been getting the attention because, of course, everybody's been talking about this Lysol drinking that Trump advocates and uh, has lied about saying that he didn't advocate and injecting you know, disinfectant into your bloodstream. You know, this guy is a drug user and a, and a drug pusher, so he should know all about these kinds of things. And it's, you know, it sounds like he's on Adderall or on Coke when he talks and sniffs. But back to this article here, and I'm going to read just a few short lines from it, from Kevin Seif and Nick Miroff in the Washington Post on April 21st. They arrived 24 hours a day in the Mexican border city of Reynosa. Groups of men, women and children deported by the United States. Each time at the edge of the international bridge, Ricardo Calderon Macias and his team get ready. They put on masks and gloves. They prepare their thermometers and health forms. They wonder sometimes aloud, will anyone in this group test positive? Quote, we're worried that eventually with these deportations, we're all going to get infected, in quotes, at Calderon, the regional director of the Tamaulipas State Immigration Institute. Since coronavirus struck the United States, immigration authorities have deported dozens of infected migrants, leaving governments and nonprofits across Mexico, Central America and the Caribbean struggling to respond. When some countries resisted continued deportations, United States officials said they would screen migrants slated for removal, but they did not commit to administering coronavirus tests. In many instances, the screenings, which consist primarily of taking a person's temperature, have failed to detect cases, even though overall deportations declined this month, the United States has returned Thousands of people across the Western Hemisphere in April. Whoa. What happened to give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free? What happened to that? That's an article that has not been getting a lot of attention in the corporate news media on television, but the Washington Post among those who have talked about it, you're putting sick people back into countries where the infrastructure isn't strong at all and the infrastructure here in the US is bad enough. And this is going to be a catastrophe. And it already is. And I'm sure that if you check these countries, their rates of infection and deaths from the coronavirus are probably zooming right up into the sky right now. So that's that headline. Just a few more, and there's so many, but there's just a few more. Remember yesterday, I, I in the episode that I did yesterday, I talked about the Democratic Party in the House, the House Democrats caving in to Republicans in a great way, in a great, in a bad way, that is, in a horrible way when it came to the stimulus bills. I've said that the House Democrats and the senior Democratic leadership has absolutely failed in these endeavors. So what does the Washington Post do? Today, they write an article about it. And hey, presto, what do you know? Mike DeBonis and Paul Kane today have written an article about the House Democrats. <laughs> Quote, 
I'm sure they didn't listen to me. Quote, we're basically ill-prepared. End quote. Hobbled House majority frets about its effectiveness amid pandemic. Well, well, well. So this is the article and it continues on. House Democrats have blasted Trump's response to the coronavirus pandemic as inept and dangerous. Party leaders insisted on the creation of a special committee to root out abuse in the nearly $3 trillion of federal aid flowing to shuttered businesses and unemployed workers. And they have called for a robust national strategy for mass testing and tracing of the illness that has claimed more than 53,000 U.S. lives. Yet amidst the biggest national crisis in generations, the one branch of government where Democrats hold power has largely sidelined itself. Struggling so far to adopt remote voting, Zoom video hearings, or any of the other alternative methods that have become standard for most workplaces in the age of COVID-19. No administration official has appeared at a congressional hearing in over a month. Committees have been unable to meet in person to debate and advance bills. There is no firm date for when the new oversight panel will start its work. Quote, I haven't had a classified briefing in over six weeks, said Representative Jason Crow, the Democrat of Colorado, a member of the House Armed Services Committee, which needs to reauthorize the annual bill for the military. Crow said he has yet to get senior Democrats to agree with his proposal to, quote, open a nationwide infrastructure for classified briefings from members of Congress by using the secure rooms in regional FBI offices and military bases across the nation. So, as I've said, and again, the Washington Post has backed me up with this, that the House Democrats have been awfully inept, awfully inept. And as I said yesterday, how can you have all this power? You've got the third most powerful politician in the country, And she and her group cannot push for and get into stimulus packages, things that help the vast majority of the American public. You can't even tell the Republicans that you want to do remote voting. You want to risk your health coming in to the Capitol, to Capitol Hill. You have power in the House and you cannot tell the Republicans to go spit. It's a very inept House of Representatives right now under the Democrats. And if I were the Democratic Party bosses, Tom Perez, that's you. I would be making sure I'd be moving heaven and earth to make sure that the Democratic Party holds on to the House. Because they have to. And I I get it that there's going to be at least 20 Republicans who are quitting or who have quit the House or who will quit the House. And we only we also know that on the Senate side, uh, at least 20 GOP held seats in the Senate are up for grabs. But we shouldn't take for granted that the House is going to stay Democratic here, especially with the latest show of ineptitude here. These last couple of uh, this last month or so has not been good, have not been good. These last couple of months have not, I repeat, not been good for the House Democrats. Yes, they've passed bills, but those bills have not adequately protected the vast majority of Americans. And I said this yesterday, and this article in today's Washington Post bears my thoughts out. It's called, We're Basically Ill-Prepared, Hobbled House Majority Frets About Its Effectiveness Amid Pandemic. By the way, Jason Crow, I quoted him from that article a few moments ago. He actually was part of the House impeachment managers team on the Democratic side, if you remember, back in January and February of this year. Jason Crow, by the way, also from Colorado, as I mentioned, was the candidate that was famously picked and selected by Steny Hoyer and the corporate Democrats. And this was chronicled in Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 11.9 movie from 2018, where Levi Tillman, who was the progressive candidate in Colorado, was running the campaign for the seat that was vacant in that particular district in Colorado. 
and had raised money, had done this and had done that. And Tillman actually recorded surreptitiously a conversation he had with Stenny Hoyer. And Stenny Hoyer said, look, you've got to step aside. We've already made our decision on who the candidate's going to be, and it's going to be Crow. And lo and behold, here he is. <laughs> Sublime, huh? Oh, dearie me. The Democratic Party has got to get its act together. I know I'm repeating myself from yesterday, but they've got to get their act together. They've got to get their act together in the House. They've got to get their act together in the Senate. And the Senate's looking like a very good bet, but nothing should be taken for granted. They've got to get their act together with this presidential race. It's been shambolic now. Since Bernie dropped out, you've heard very little from Joe Biden. He's been here and there. He's done some online events and he's been speaking uh, locally in a load of areas, of course, because of the coronavirus um, you know, he's having to do things remotely. But the point is, you can't con confine your presence to local events, remote local events and interviews to late night talk show hosts. You have to now start assuming the national stage. Act like you own it, Joe. I've written an article today, by the way, on the Politocrat blog at politocrat.politics.blog, where I talk about the 2000 and 20 presidential election that's coming up on November the 3rd. And the title of my article is why the 2020 U.S. presidential election will be more like the 1932 presidential election, not the 2016 election. And I give a number of reasons why that will be the case, in my view. You can go and check that out at politocrat.politics.blog. And you will see that there. And let me know what you think about the article as well. Trump is losing seniors, according to the Los Angeles Times. Seniors who had been pretty solid behind him and who are the demographic that has been watching Fox News the most of any other demographic in the country is certainly deserting him now. And I know polls are always a risky proposition because they do not tell the whole story. They only tell, as Cornell Belcher once said, a great pollster, a snapshot of a moment in time. And we are still more than six months away from the presidential election here in the U.S. But at least at this point right now, Trump is in real trouble with seniors, voters who are 65 and older. And they were key to his victory according to the Los Angeles Times. And they were. David Lauter, the uh, Washington Bureau chief, cites this in the 24th of April edition of the Times. And this is, again, the demographic that watches Fox News. They watch Fox News. They are absolute Fox News solid junkies. Morning, noon, and night. And the older generations tend to watch TV more anyway. They stay indoors. They are not necessarily... Many of them, not all of them, but many of them are not adept at the technology. So they go with what they know, the tried and true thing, which is television. It's like comfort food for many of the older generations, seniors. And they will sometimes sit in front of a television for a good seven, eight hours during a day, particularly if they're not mobile, obviously. But even if they are mobile, they will spend a lot of sedentary time. And usually a television is on. They're not a, a laptop or an iPad or any other kind of computer or device. They're in front of the TV. So they are watching Fox News most likely. And so this article in the LA Times talks about the fact that he, Trump, is losing significantly among seniors in poll after poll in nationwide and key key states. Now, nationwide stuff doesn't mean anything. It's the state stuff that matters. And like I said, I am against polls. I'm just reporting what the LA Times says. And seniors should be against Trump. He's killing them. His inaction is killing seniors and all other demographics in this country, particularly black and brown people. And the LA Times did an article yesterday, which actually was printed today, but it was released yesterday about the higher rates, the tremendously higher rates of black and brown people who are younger, 18 to 49, who are dying from this virus. This is separate and apart from the article that I 
talked about yesterday about strokes in 30 and 40, 30 to 40 year olds. I'm now talking about something different. Just the 18 to 49 year old demographic in the state of California, the demographic there amongst black people and the Latinx community is skyrocketing. Those are the kinds of individuals, those people, those people being black and Latinx are dying at very high rates, disproportionate to their populations. Very, very troubling stuff from the Los Angeles Times. And it's a pretty extensive article. I urge you to read it in today's Los Angeles Times. Plus, there's also something in today's LA Times about the grocery stores still not getting the proper equipment and protections, just like the other frontline workers I've talked about in recent editions of this podcast, where they are not getting the PPE that they need. The LA Times has done a pretty extensive story there as well. And we've also got some other stories. The Root has done a story on the Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, who was the target of racist epithets on text. I don't know. Somebody texted her or texted a hotline or something or texted her office and she got a racist text from somebody. And all Keisha Lance Bottoms was doing. I mean, my goodness me. All she was doing was trying to let people know that she cares about them and doesn't want them to die from COVID-19 or anything else. This comes as Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, as I have alluded to, opened up the state on Friday and is opening movie theaters beginning tomorrow and restaurants beginning tomorrow, which, I mean, (laughs) hey, what could possibly go wrong? And so into that breach steps the Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms. And she was telling people, look, don't bother listening to the governor. And it's my shorthand here. Don't bother listening to the governor. Please, you need to stay at home. These rates are going up, which they are in in Georgia. The rates of infection and death are zooming up in Georgia. And so the mayor of Atlanta is telling people, please stay indoors, please. You can't afford to do this. Now you're risking your life if you do this. And she gets a racist text. Some anonymous texter. Shut up, N. Seriously? Good grief. Honestly, honestly, honestly. And the root as well. Another story. Two black men released from prison after serving over 17 years for a crime they say they didn't commit. Both of these black men are from the area of Detroit area in Michigan. They were freed. Recently, after the investigative officer was found to have allegedly coerced witnesses into lying about what they saw. And speaking of which, Beverly Hills Police Chief, Beverly Hills, California Police Chief, retires after lawsuits alleging racism, anti-Semitism and harassment. That is back in the L.A. Times. That story is one that um, is out there. As well, the police chief there, Sandra Spagnoli. And she announced her retirement yesterday. And, you know, Beverly Hills had paid out millions of dollars to settle lawsuits. Based on her making racist remarks or allegedly making racist remarks to subordinate officers. And engaged in acts of harassment. I mean, this is... Sandra Spagnoli, by the way, according to this, as the LA Times article lists, James Queeley, Q-U-E-A-L-L-Y, is the writer of this April 25th article. And again, it's called, headline, Beverly Hills Police Chief Retires After Lawsuits Alleging Racism, Anti-Semitism, and Harassment. She became Sandra Spagnoli, the first female police chief in the history of Beverly Hills. That was back in 2016 when that happened. But this is, um, wow. This article you got to read. 2018, a torrent of litigation surfaced accusing Spagnoli of making racist comments, retaliating against officers and showing favoritism towards subordinates with whom she has sexual liaisons. I mean, this is actually sexual harassment. 
This, I mean, depending on the situation, it could be rape, conceivably. So now she's sexually harassing her employees. This is 2018 that this litigation surfaced and she only, wait a minute, she was pressured to resign. She resigned just yesterday. She announced her resignation. Has she actually left yet? Oh, her last day will be May 15th. She's still got three more weeks to terrorize people, to harass people, to exert her power. Fantastic. Just fantastic. Spinners there with mighty love. Welcome back to The Politocrat. And there's so many more headlines. I mean, there's endless headlines. Some good articles that I haven't even got to. There's one in the LA Times today about the super rich who have said sayonara to the Los Angeles area and and said, oh, we're getting the hell out of Dodge. You know, we're going to go to our summer home right now in April in Sedona, Arizona or wherever it might be. And we are going to live the good life. Leave those wretched masses behind and have our own oasis out here. And they are entitled to they are rich. I've got nothing against the rich people of, of the world. I just have a lot against, I am thoroughly against inequity and systemic racism and all those things that um, institutionalize poverty and everything else that has this gulf between the rich and the poor. And there's a certain privilege that comes with all of this too for those in the upper classes of society, of American society here specifically. And with that privilege comes a certain level of arrogance. And so to my main idea of this episode, my freedom and your freedom and your freedom ends where my coronavirus prevention mask begins. That might be a difficult concept for some people to understand, certainly in Los Angeles, because, and Los Angeles isn't the only place where this has happened out here in California, because it's happened up here in San Francisco and neighboring areas where people are now, because of the good weather that's been going on here uh, from Friday, yesterday as well, are now suddenly on mass going out, defying the orders of Governor Gavin Newsom. They weren't going to listen to Gavin Newsom anyway. Let's face it. Gavin Newsom was begging people, pleading with them in a soft way, softly, 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 killing me softly with his song. Oh, God. You get the idea. He was very, very, you know, mellow. Please don't go out. Please. Do your fellow duty, do your duty to your fellow Californian. And uh, I urge 
the state of California to uh, do duty and due diligence and practice safe social distancing and do not go out, resist the temptation. I know it's going to be very warm this weekend and uh, resist the temptation to go out. And I know that you will do the right thing. The residents of this great state of California have whole, wholesalely ignored, wholesale ignored Gavin Newsom. As Kevin Baxter, Alex Wigglesworth and Cindy Chang report in the Los Angeles Times, the first warm weekend of the spring. Yeah, maybe the beach in Santa Monica was deserted, but oh boy, not yesterday. Not in Huntington Beach, that wonderful place down there where you had these racist protesters. One of whom actually held a journalist uh, cameraman at knife point. See, that didn't get reported a lot, did it? Speaking of news that you can use or should be aware of that was not broadcast in lots of places. There was some nutcase, and I'm going to call him that, in Huntington Beach, who during the protest. The previous weekend, not this weekend, but the previous weekend, held a cameraman for a news station at knife point for several hours, actually, or several minutes, but whatever. For a time, someone held a cameraman at knife point. Because we don't want you to put footage of me out here on these TV screens. So I'm going to make sure you delete it all. Crazy stuff. We have some... Is it this coronavirus that's doing this to people or is it just people are crazy and the coronavirus is just accentuating this? Look, I'm not trying to make light of mental illness. I have actually... I'd like to think that I've been very sensitive to it. I've talked about mental health and there's a lot more that I will be doing in a very serious, concrete way to bring attention to and advocate for mental health Um issues and for better mental health in this country and other countries too for that matter because we just have not done a good enough job to say the least i'm just saying that this particular individual and thankfully he was arrested just absolutely ridiculous huntington beach and huntington beach again back to this article is the source of this 80 upper 80 degree temperatures fahrenheit in some parts of the region, and voila, the beaches were full. You see these st- these photos of people just swarming the beach. You would have thought this was Florida. Hate to break it to you, California, but maybe you're the new Florida. Thousands of people on these beaches. Thousands of them on Huntington Beach. In Huntington Beach, thousands. You should see the, the photo by Alan J. Charbon of the Los Angeles Times. Go to just search for despite coronavirus, many flock to Orange and Ventura County beaches to beat the heat. And look at that photograph that you're going to see there. Oh, gosh. I don't think the, the governor of this state, Governor Gavin Newsom, is going to be very pleased when he sees that photograph. And I dare say one of his aides has already shown it to him. Let's see if he talks about that at his press briefing tomorrow. But my whole point is, is that why are people like this? There's this entitlement that goes on with people. And it's happening up here in San Francisco as well. And it maybe it could be happening in the city that you live in, in the town that you live in. You've got people congregating. I didn't go out at all yesterday, except for running early in the morning. I didn't leave the house after that, not once. Because I knew that this was going to happen and the weather was nice up here yesterday, but it was windy as well, but that didn't stop people. I'm sure, and I saw it. I saw I saw people. And then I saw photos in the on the web pages up here as well. It's photos of people on roofs together, clustered together. Photos of people. I looked out my window, saw people on roofs. We are not sacrificing. 
We're just not sacrificing. And I think the reason why is because people are used to being spoiled. We live in a bubble in this country. For the most part, we've not had to go through any really traumatic things. I mean, there have been obvious exceptions. For part of the country, 9-11-01 was traumatic because especially those people who were in the cities of New York, as I was when that happened, in the city of, say, well, you know, of Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and of course in Richmond, Virginia, you know, in, in Virginia, northern, northern Virginia, where these planes had crashed. So this is really troubling. We've not really had that in this country. World War II, yeah, but you know, that was not fought on American shores. Pearl Harbor was the only moment that it was fought on American shores. But everything else was in Europe. The Blitz in, in the UK, in, in England. You know, that was a real sacrifice. People had to be um, hiding out in shelters and all kinds of things for months, a couple of months, if not longer than that, actually. So there's been a track record of sacrifice. And we here in America have not sacrificed very much for a long time. Not for a long time. I mean, there are people in in areas, of course, if you get hit by floods, hit by earthquakes, hit by wildfires, as we have here in California, every wildfire season, especially down in Southern California, not far away from Huntington Beach. But we generally in this country have not sacrificed the way that other countries' populations have. On the African continent, for example, in Eastern Europe, for example, in India, for example, India and the poor in India are really suffering right now because of a dictator, Narendra Modi, the prime minister, but I call him the dictator of India, who has really given the poor a hard time with these crackdowns. So what I'm saying is, is that there is not this grand sacrifice that we have made. And you've got very spoiled people, very selfish people who who think nothing. And they're usually younger, but I've seen some older people do this. And they think nothing of going on a roof, six people. They think nothing of being down on the, on the street, walking the sidewalks, and there's five of them. Or they walk down the middle of the sidewalks, and then you've got to walk right on the edge of the road or right on the inside. They think nothing of it. It's arrogance and it's selfishness and it's entitlement. Your freedom ends where my coronavirus droplet protecting mask begins. Although I, I wear a scarf, I put a thick scarf around my nose, mouth, chin and neck. It covers everything. I mean, I don't care how I look. All I care about is protecting myself and protecting people I know, loved ones, people I know, friends, people I know, family, people I don't know, you. So if you see me down the street wearing this weird paraphernalia, you can mock, you can laugh, you can scorn. But let me tell you something. As someone who's a man, men are at higher risk than women are. As someone who is black, black people are at higher risk than white people are, than Latinx are, depending on which city you're in, but pretty much, and certainly Asians are. Black people are most at risk in this country, and Latinx are a pretty close second in, in many respects, but black people by far, across the country, are really at risk. So if you see me walking down the street, here in San Francisco or anywhere else, maybe in your town sometime. I can't imagine why I'd be doing that during a stay-at-home order. But if you see me with that, to you, funny-looking apparel and get up, it's for your good.
SWV with right here. Welcome back to the Politocrat. Just a few other things. I mean, just to continue this a little bit with this selfishness that is pervading this country and these protests that have been going on, you know, to reopen the country. It's just absolutely mind boggling. It's a loud minority of people organized by some gun nuts and some rich families like the DeVos family and I think the Coke, uh, uh, maybe Charles Coke is still involved in this as well. Um, or whichever Coke brother is still alive, I've lost track of it. But the point I'm making here is that we really do have to be a more compassionate society. I've said this over and over and over again. We have to start being more respectful of each other. We have to be more compassionate toward each other. We have to develop more empathy and be more empathetic towards each other. We have to be more loving and understanding. And people who run out onto these beaches and run around in clusters and don't wear masks, many of those people in that photo were not wearing masks on Huntington Beach. These are individuals who just do not care, not only about themselves, but about you. They don't care about your welfare. They don't care if you get sick. And so I think that it's really important that people start to become more conscious and considerate of their environment and the people who live in that environment. Instead of being these selfish creatures who don't care about anybody or anything, and barely care about themselves. So I hope that people here in California and anywhere else in the world, if you're thinking of going to a beach or a park, knowing that this pandemic is still going on, knowing that you know we are approaching Vietnam, I hate to say that, 50, almost 58,000 people. We are approaching that. We are now at what, 54, 55,000 and... By the time you listen to this, because I'm recording this at the time I'm recording it. But by the time you hear this, we could be past 58,000 people here in the United States who have died from COVID-19. That is not a story to ignore. And it is not for people to just get out there and go back out on a beach as if nothing is going on in this planet, on this planet, in this country. I do wonder about the mentality and mindset of people who would choose to, while people are dying, in their city, in their county, in the county next door to them, would continue on like it's business as usual. I don't understand why that would happen. I think it's very disrespectful, quite frankly, of those families, of those lost, of those lost that they've lost, of those loved ones that they've lost. It's disrespectful of them. And quite frankly, it's disrespectful of everybody else who is doing the right thing by staying at home. And they are sacrificing. Believe me. And Los Angeles County cases are still going up, but it could be a whole lot worse because people are staying at home by and large in Los Angeles County. 
it's really bad down in Los Angeles in terms of the number of people losing their lives. And you just walk out there and go to a beach. I never will understand that mentality. I will never understand it. I just won't. What I think should be done by the governor of this state of California is to close these beaches and close these parks. Here in San Francisco, Mayor Breed has closed these parks. London Breed, the mayor here in San Francisco, has closed the parks. She has limited public transportation. Over 60 of the bus lines in this city of San Francisco have been suspended until further notice. It's been almost a month now that that's happened. Well, it's about three weeks, almost three weeks now. And it is working. And California, San Francisco has, I think, 23 deaths out of 900, almost 900. Well, I'd say 822,000 people. But again, bear in mind, we don't have testing. And the testing has not been robust enough yet. We'll see. Um, the governor here is saying that it's going to be ramped up to uh, you know, above 60,000 plus a day. And it's at 60,000 or so now a day or a week. I never get that right, but I'll have to clarify that. But the point is, is that we don't have testing yet. And as articles have come out over the last few days have said, California may have at least five times as many cases as it currently has. So what are people in Huntington Beach and all these other places doing down there in Southern California and up here in San Francisco and surrounding areas? What are they doing going to beaches? And of course, there are going to be people like me and a lot of other people I know. And people online who are upset at the selfishness and the callous disregard for a shared sacrifice and for the lives of people who are older, who are younger, who are anybody. And so I think that Gavin Newsom, I don't know if he can do this or it's probably down to each municipality in California, all 58 counties. I'm sure it's probably up to those counties to do this, to do due diligence and close these parks and beaches the LA Times has this story from a couple of days ago from Luke Money. And he has listed stay-at-home orders for every county in the state. And when they're ending, you know, all of these. And, and, and they're all these counties, all 58 of them are listed. And most of them are ending in May. In fact, here in San Francisco, the mayor, London Breed, has said that the uh, stay-at-home order is likely to go on beyond May 3rd, and that makes sense to me. It's going to go on for a few more months. Let, let's have it right. And it should. And there's this already, in some of these California counties and communities, there's this, oh, well, it's safe to reopen here. Let's start reopening. And the governor of this state's got to put his foot down and stop being so nice and cozy. With Trump, I know he's got to do what he's got to do to get stuff here for Californians. But stop being so cool and cozy about all of this. Start barking, Gavin. Please, stop barking because people are not paying attention to you. At least some people are not. Now, the vast majority of Californians are doing the right thing. Certainly here in San Francisco, they are. But you've got people who is always going to be people who don't listen. And I think, quite frankly... Those numbers are getting bigger and will continue to get bigger as we get toward the real spring here. As spring really comes along and we start to get this warmer weather. And we are in spring now, but the weather is beginning already to look a whole lot better. And we can't afford to do this. We cannot afford to have groups of people completely disregarding these orders. And you're at risk of having tremendous infection rates. We don't know what the rates are, how bad they are, because we don't have the proper testing. So right now, there are people who are not sacrificing. 
And a lot of us here in California and everywhere else are not happy about it. You've got to sacrifice something. It's been a few weeks, maybe 50 days, whatever it is. But this is a very small thing to do. There are people out there, doctors, nurses, grocery store workers, bus drivers, who are literally putting their lives on the line in various different ways. But they are. And the way you acknowledge that and show appreciation for that is to go out to the beach. I don't understand it. Maybe you can help me understand it. I am really at a loss for words here. And it really breaks my heart, quite frankly, because here we are in a state where there are 42,609, 42,609 confirmed cases with 1,695 deaths. And we are in a country where we are going to soon be at 55,000 people dead, if not already, from this virus, from this COVID-19. And we've got a planet where we are fast approaching, well, is it 200,000 people now dead from this virus, if not more, if not a little bit less than that? And all some of these people can do is waltz around like the world is fine. We're in the middle of a pandemic Put your head back on your shoulders. Stay inside if you can. But for God's sake, please, for the love of God, man, do not cluster. We need to have people alive. We need to stop the spread of this virus. Your freedom ends where my coronavirus droplet defeating mask begins thank you very much for listening to this episode of the politocrat <laughs>